0: Welcome to Batchio Death Trip. Please make your case known followed by the pound sign now. Is it possible for a band to have not one but two breakthrough albums? Because I think that the offspring have a pretty strong case for that to be the case. I should have written that a lot better. One of the biggest selling independent records of all time, The Offspring's 1994 album Smash still lives on as a cornerstone of the SoCal punk movement. It's incredible also, it's charm-laying the upbeat approach the band had towards alienation and other issues. They also have a band member called Noodles. How is that not disarming? The offspring were heralded alongside Rancid and Green Day as the new breed of punk rock, ready to wipe out the remains of the popular grunge movement. And then the band did ex on the Ombre, which didn't really hit the stride that their debut did. So the band regrouped and ended up working on 1998's Americana, and all hell broke loose. The absolute unbridled popularity of Lee track Pretty Fly for a White Guy, along with the music video poking fun at white teens obsessed with hip-hop culture was a huge hit. It was perhaps their biggest hit. And I'm sure it perhaps didn't occur to them at the time that this was a precursor to the argument of cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation, but I digress. People who mocked me and my friends for being into gothic music, spelled G-O-F-F-I-K, because they're fucking idiots, suddenly started singing the refrain, Give it to me, baby, with others chiming in with "Uh the uh-huh, uh-huh, call and response. The band entered the top 10 of the UK singles chart, and it felt like it was a bigger response to the band than Smash had been. Some people hated this, though. How dare people appropriate a musical culture they once mocked. Some of my friends, hell, even my wife Maeve hates Americana for that fact. She also hated Hooray for Boobies by the Bloodhound Gang because, and I quote, I was into that band before other people were. But it did feel like the band had a re-emergence and broke through yet again very close to when Smash was released also. So Reese, is it possible for a musician to have two breakthroughs in their careers, or do you subscribe to the idea that a band can have one breakthrough, but any renewed popularity is simply a comeback? I
1: think bands can definitely have multiple breakthroughs. I think that there's so many markets in the world. People are like, oh, we're big in Australia, but we never go to Perth. Even Cold Chisel, like a huge Australian band, couldn't break through to America. And then you've got artists like, what, Trent Reznor has gone in a totally different direction. Now he's doing Pixar soundtracks and working on Zuckerberg docos or whatever. Psy, what, he was already big in South Korea before he broke through again. Gautier already won, like, a bunch of awards in Australia on, like, like Drawing Blood. Before that, um, somebody that I used to know took him all around the world. You got Beyoncé. Dr. Dre, NWA, and then went to like producing or solo producing and then obviously Beats by Dre. Like, of course, of course, because even when you're super popular with a certain market, that market grows up. They stop listening to that music and then a new generation comes through. Uh, You see that now with the amazing band Eiffel 65. Kids are still singing Blue, but they don't know that it's a cover of Eiffel 65. Were they sponsored by PlayStation? Or did they just go, well, we can wear triangles and circles too? Are you
0: confusing Eiffel 65 with Bomb Funk MCs? Because Bomb Funk MCs were the ones that had the predominantly Sony. They had the Sony hookup, didn't they? Because Freestyler had the mini disc with the little kind of uh, attachment that was between the headphones all the way through the headphone jack. So you could skip tracks on that thing. And then they did a. Their follow-up single, uh, the encyclopedic knowledge of shit music failed me a little bit on this occasion, but their follow-up, the music video, was based on a fighting game where they were using PlayStation controllers.
1: Yeah, I also think i sixty-five had the triangle, the circle, the square, and the X, and that was somewhere on the album. Anyway, what I think is that you can definitely break through to different markets. Again, it's probably like I was talking about last week with that cisgendered, white male sort of we were the target demographic for so many things that we just assumed if it was popular in our group, it was popular everywhere. But when you travel around, you didn't yeah. see people wearing nine inch nails. And your your mum and my mum is a probably probably a good litmus test. Who does your mum know? Now uh my mum knew Marilyn Manson. That was common, you know, and our mum's generation. They knew that name. They're probably scared of it. They probably didn't know Slipknot Corn or Limp Biscuit. Yeah. But they would have known The Offspring because I remember my mum commenting on "Pretty Fly for a White Guy," and that became sort of uh, in the social consciousness, I guess. So yeah, yeah, I, this this album definitely sh- shot The Offspring into the stratosphere, but Smash is still more popular, and I think it sold more could be wrong but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Yeah,
0: I mean it's it was an interesting one because for me the the reason why I asked that question is that some people I spoke to argued the fact that yeah, no, Americana was a comeback and my argument was that it didn't have an, enough kind of space between albums for it to be considered a comeback in my personal opinion. So, say for example, uh if we take Green Day uh, Green Day's Dookie broke them through because you know, like Basket Case, When I Come Around, Welcome to Paradise. It took them then, uh, and if I get this uh, order incorrect, I apologize. It, they then did uh, Insomniac, Nimrod. They did Warning, and then they had a Greatest Hits, I think, which was uh, it was it was either Shenanigans or they had another Greatest Hits album around that time as well. I think Shenanigans might have been a whole bunch of B-sides, actually, which had desensitized on it. And then they released American Idiot, and then American Idiot was suddenly like, boom, this big kind of record that everybody was into. And if you were an old school Green Day fan, you felt like it was the comeback. If you were a new Green Day fan, you couldn't say, oh, you know, this brand new band, because... Again, there is that kind of discography behind it from Dookie all the way through to American Idiot. With The Offspring, though, it was Smash that blew up. Ixnay on the Ombre was something more for like the skate punks to get into. And then they released Americana, which had them blow up yet again. Because everybody was talking about at the time how important Smash was as an independent record just because of how much volume it, it ended up Selling and just how much of it was picked up by mainstream audiences. Yeah, we're talking about a time when the X (laughs) Games started to be a thing, and skate culture was starting to. Skate culture always seemed to bubble under the mainstream. It punches above its weight sometimes. Be it uh Vice's documentary King of the Road, or be it you know the plethora of Tony Hawk's games, or Skate Three if you're an aficionado. But then they came out with americana which seemed to kind of like break them through yet again and i i I agree with your comment about breaking through the different markets but when i was faced with the argument of like oh it's definitely a comeback album it's like but coming back from what can you justifiably say that a band has come back after one shit album I think Snay on the Ombre wasn't a shit album anyway, you know, uh, far be it from me, but it seemed rather muted compared to the albums that were either side.
1: Well, I think this album is a fucking steaming pile of shit. (laughs) And it's kind of weird because on all like the fan list, they're like, oh, this is the second most popular one or whatever. It's like, listen or more. I actually went through the catalog. I went through it all. And Americana is the worst. And I, and I thought, look, if I'm going to shit on this album, I have to kind of think, why? I have to be able to articulate it, and I have to be able to show it. And I will get yeah. to that, because I, I just, I, I really hated almost every second of this album.
0: You can't turn around and say the album's shit just because, yeah, it's shit. I mean, you could pull out the whole cop-out, everything subjective. But having a look at Spotify right now, which is why I'm on my phone and I'm not being a rude prick... The top five popular songs on Spotify, uh, according to The Offspring, uh, today being Someday in July. You're Gonna Go Far, Kid, which that album you could consider, that single you could consider, yeah like, the their comeback, you know. But, like, three out of the five tracks on there are all... Songs off Americana. It's pretty fly for a white guy. Why don't you get a job? And a track which, uh not to spoil it too much, you actually didn't mind from the album
1: called The Kids Are All Right. No, 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 no. Don't mind. I'd I love that song. That would be in probably one of my, like, if I do a top 100 songs, that would be in it. it. There's not been like a running event I've done where that song hasn't been on a playlist. I've loved that for years and years. That's their best song to me. And it's so weird to my brain that. Their best song can be on their shittest album.
0: And yet Self-Esteem, which was perhaps along with Come Out and Play, the the big songs that propelled them when Smash first came out. That's the only track. That is the only track in their in their top five popular tracks on Spotify.
1: I'm surprised feelings wasn't at the top, man.
0: Fucking it kind of pains me, man, because like Gotta Getaway and uh, All I Want are both incredible offspring tracks, but What is it about this album that you detest? Because I I don't know if we ever published a Blink on 82 uh, podcast, but um, we did a pilot, me and Reese, and it was us trying to find our footing. Uh, In case you are aware, we think we found our footing on this podcast, but again, things are subjective. And and you fucking are bored Enema of the State. And now you were bored Americana. And yet they're both kind of linked in the same... I wouldn't say third-wave punk, because third-wave punk for me was more No Doubt and, and the early kind of, you know, rancid Green Day and stuff like that. But is it the time frame around punk that came out around that kind of era... That you didn't like? Was it the aesthetic? What 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 was it about Americana and also Enver of the State which just led you to think, nah, this is shit?
1: All right, this will this might take me a while, but
0: oh, I've got I've I've got a drink here. <laughs> I'm gonna go <laughs> topless in a minute because it's warm.
1: Put your feet up, man.
0: Uh, okay, hold on. There we go. That's the one, Fred Flintstone in it.
1: Look, I realise I'm in the minority here, and this kind of stems back to when I was in grade five. And we had a substitute teacher, and she was like, I can't be fucked today. I'm going to put on Major Pain. And I was like, four minutes into it, and I was like, this movie is the worst. And she's like, everyone else likes it. Why can't you? And I was like, it's real bad. Can we please watch something else? I'm sorry. It's dumb and stupid, but not funny dumb. It's just insultingly dumb. And she's like, get to the principal's office. So I had to go to the principal's office. He's like, why are you here? You're a decent kid. And I said, major pain, man. It sucks. And he's like, just sit here. It, this is what I think. In high school, when I started learning drums, there was another group of kids also learning instruments, and we became the band kids, essentially. Yeah. But I was into corn and slipknot and that sort of stuff. And they were really they would just practice damn it over and over again. But that beat is so shit. It's it's the drums for me. It's the punk drums. I hate this new wave sort of punk, soCal punk. It's so uh, it, it doesn't listen to the song. It doesn't service the song. If I was a guitarist in that band, I'd be so pissed because I'd be playing a riff and then I'm like, no matter what I play to this fucking prick drummer, he's going to play the exact same beat at the exact same tempo that he played the last song and I'm going to have to speed up. It's going to be super annoying. But it's also the Trey Cool factor. And you know Trey Cool? That's his name from Green Day, yeah?
0: Yeah, Trey Cool. the drummer, yeah.
1: That fucking wide-eyed, tongue-out, weasel face. whoa, fuck yeah, tight necklace bullshit, like, oh, we're in a band, fucking, and then they go like, it's this lame sort of poop shit. Y- your mum has sex kind of jokes, it's like, well, what's the creativity in that? Where's the room to banter with, you know, she's like, imagine if I farted on your head, <laughs> I'm gonna write a song about farts and, and poop and tits, it's like, oh, okay, cool, Th- there's just n- no imagination in it and it's so bottom rung shit but it's it's not like even like the jackass guys are kind of like that but there seems to be a little bit more thought and personality in that rather than just like this these guys who stopped at year eight high school and were like well i'm done farts are funny and poo and shit and tits are really funny and your dad's got a dick there's just nothing in it but for this album if you're going punk for me punk is like raw and energetic and a bit chaotic and it's saying something and there's a feeling besides that's fucking terrible cover of feelings what is this album trying to trying to really say so if it's punk what's it trying to get across okay they're going to your friends going to jail you see him in a while okay cool then what like what what is it trying to say so or is it a, is it more of a pop and well-structured album then if that's the case why are the songs so mediocre? There's nothing in the mix. The snare's too high. The vocals are too dry the whole time. There's no space in it. They fixed it. They fixed it on their albums after this. So not the one uh, with the terrible cover art, the one with the original Prankster. It's called like... Splinter? Conspiracy of One?
0: Oh, Conspiracy of One. Oh.
1: That's a bad album. That
0: is that. That is a bad out. Al- that also had no... Splinter had the hooey, didn't it? And that song at the end which talking about not dropping the soap. Yeah. yeah that was that was later on. Yeah,
1: there's some bad stuff. There's some bad takes. There's some cheap humor. And it just doesn't resonate with me at all. But it resonates with a bunch of people. And I think a lot of my friend group, Smash was their first ever album. So I think they kind of have Stockholm Syndrome with it. No, no, it's actually good. It's like, no, you only listen to it on repeat because that's the only album you had. You know? So... It wasn't the case for me.
0: Stock, Yeah, well, I've still got a case of Stockholm Syndrome with the Foo Fighters, to be honest with yeah. you, man, so I-, I can't talk. But do you think, then, that it was more of the case if this band tapped into more of the frat boy pop sensibilities, much like maybe Blink-182? I mean, that was around the time of American Pie, that was around the time of, like you mentioned, Jackass, which I still think jackass is is amazing just because i'm a skater kid myself so it was just a throwback to all those kind of skate videos around that time also you had the tom green show which was kind of like this surrealistic talk show with him just doing weird and crazy shit it felt like it was an era that was pushing the envelope and compared to the era that we're in now where we're kind of like Trying to pull that envelope back, and people are
1: tugging on it, going,
0: "No, no, no! Please let me make sexist and racist jokes. That's all I've got. That's all I've got."
1: Yeah, I'm not sure, but I did read a review that was said, "Oh, you know, that they're commenting on the police state and mental health issues and all that stuff." It's like, but what? What are they saying? Is this this on me? Because Walla Walla doesn't really make any commentary on it. it Mentioning something on an album does not mean you are exploring that topic as such. Because what is your opinion on it? What is? What are you trying to get across? You know, go full Serge Tankian then and just write a fucking essay and and scream about the prison system and then talk about pogo sticks. What are they talking about on "She's Got Issues"? You know, the only single that didn't make their greatest hits album, which says something. But what are they really saying? "The Kids Aren't Alright" says something a little bit about the neighborhood and people growing up and becoming fucking drug addicts and derelict and all that sort of stuff. But I, I don't know what the rest of the album's saying. And it probably suffers from a really bad mix as well.
0: But I mean, doesn't that fall back into what I discussed in the intro that as part of the appeal of the offspring is that those kind of societal issues that they're talking about, be it kind of people going into prison and fucking up their lives, uh, being, you know, dejected, alienated teenager in a dorm room and stuff like that we're going to be talking about self-esteem is that not perhaps the problem being that they're talking about these issues but in that kind of upbeat punk ska kind of way and perhaps with the kind of, let's say upbeat, optimistic melodies alongside what Dexter's talking about, perhaps the problem there is then it's a bit of a grating kind of juxtaposition between the two like hey we're going to be talking about uh people going into prison and and police states but yet we're going to be uh singing about them all on the upstrokes
1: yeah i don't think that the melody or the major key or that sort of stuff is a, a huge consequence to me i just don't i don't know what they're saying I don't know what their take is.
0: But yet your favourite song on the album is a song that is predominantly kind of like in a minor kind of chord progression. The kids are all right. My favourite song on both Smash and also Xnay on the Ombre. I mean, my favourite song on Smash is Gotta Getaway. Away. Uh, and then my favourite song on Xnay on the Ombre is All I Want. Uh, and they're both played in kind of rather than major scales, minor scales they're kind of more downbeat and somber so when you end up listening to a song like why don't you get a job that is done in a very traditional almost calypso scar kind of way it's like this is a fun song but i'm not really taking away the fact that this guy's fucked up i'm more taken away that this is a fun (laughs) sing-along like she fucking hates me by puddle of mud like oh this is a fun song despite the fact that this guy clearly needs to sit down and have a conversation with this girl because maybe she doesn't fucking hate him because she never liked them in the first place but because it's, it's a happy-go-lucky riff perhaps it gets lost in translation
1: but potentially that is the case i do love songs with a bit of tension and you get more tension with minor chords and minor progressions but in saying that i also love a lot of shoegaze which is just G to C, you know, really. Yeah. And I, I love that happy sounding stuff. And I feel like there's more in it. But I don't think they're really listening to each other on this album. And I've got some proof. So I claim the the second track, Have You Ever, that drummer is fucking off. He is gone on his own world. And you can you've got the money now from Smash, re-record that. And I'm the king of releasing albums with shit drum track takes. <laughs> but fucking I didn't have the budget of the offspring and we're going to talk about how rich they were growing up you know and I want to I really want to talk about the impact that money can have on a band or having a rich family you know because that is a key part of the offspring's early years but have a listen to this just have a listen to have you ever tell me that drummer isn't fucking off and trying to play his own thing and not listening at all to the guitars You hear it, don't you, man?
0: Oh, it's just that first bit when he's trying to kind of like do the fill that goes into the main guitar riff and everything subsequently just feels like, oh, shit, I better catch up. No, I better slow it down. Oh, oh Exactly oh, right. Oh, oh. It's, it's jagged. There's no kind of fluidity to
1: it. But he can do that beat because as uh, on that album, was it Splinter? There's a song, also the second track called The Noose. Now, he does that drum beat a lot better, but have a listen, the... Snare has a bit more space on it. It's a bit more reverb. The guitars uh, also have a bit more space Americana is so just upfront and almost dry that it it just brings it to attention But this beat in the noose it actually works because he's like, oh no I'm gonna listen to it and actually play along and it matches the riff I wonder if The Offspring are fucking sponsored by Big whoa Corporation because every song's got a whoa. but at least those Wu-Ohs are panned and they're a little bit down in the mix. Americana, they're right up front and they're dry and it sounds horrendous. Now, this this guy obviously can drum, but on this track, he either couldn't get it right and they did so many takes, they're like, fine, we'll just use this one, or they weren't really listening at all. It would have been covered if they had some like feedback or some looseness or a bit of chaos, But that's not the kind of punk they are. They're very controlled, tight tight, punk. In between the lines, punk.
0: Maybe that is something that they learned when they recorded, like more production value and stuff like that. Or maybe I'm wrong because like you mentioned before that segment, um, they came from a quite affluent family. They were one of the Orange County bands alongside No Doubt, weren't they?
1: Yeah, so this is kind of what I want to... Talk about, and not just about the offspring, because I'm not super sure how well off their parents were, but in an interview with one of the founding members, who's now like a a gynecologist, they're all super smart guys. Like they're all very, very, very smart.
0: Well, Dexter was a valedictorian, wasn't he?
1: Yeah. Best in his class at maths. He has a degree in biology, molecular biology. He's a fucking licensed pilot and did like this 10 day flight across the world, which is like really smart, pretty Pretty cool guys, but the original drummer, yeah, yeah, yeah. James, uh, I think it was like James Leija whatever, he, he formed the band with Noodles, and so his parents used to go on these like long overseas vacations, and they'd leave them their house to do whatever they wanted. He basically said for a few months at a time, they'd just set up the gear, have it in their lounge room, the parents would leave them coin, they'd just go to the shops, get food, whatever, but they could just play whenever they wanted. Now... They might say, oh, we, we did it all on our own. And yeah, you might have. And that's what m- sort of having privilege and money does to you. You don't realize that it is that important. But to have a space where you can just jam and you can leave all your gear set up and you can jam for two months you know, every July and August, that is incredible for a band or a young musician. I know I didn't get that opportunity. I had to leave my drum kit at my friend's house in a little garage next to his dad's like saw. And, you know, I kept hitting my elbow on the vice every time I hit the snare. I didn't have that opportunity to just be like, no, no, we've got a house to ourselves and we're 17. Fucking what do you want to write? Let's just jam. Our neighbors aren't going to complain. I'm going to assume you didn't have that opportunity either.
0: No, I mean, the one time that we tried to play in our garage in our small little hamlet in Newark, um, the neighbors came out and complained, and then the guitarist had a massive sulk because why can't we practice? It's like, well, we're in a small village and we're playing metal music, so it's it's not going to work out. So subsequently all that time we when my mum went to work, it was like, all right, drag the amp into the lounge because there's double glazing and stuff like that. Having a whole bunch of money Doesn't indicate talent. I mean, there's a whole bunch of bands that we can reel off that have a lot of money and yet are pretty shit. But it it does help, you know. If you've got that money, you can get a song professionally mastered, which has got more chance of making it onto the radio. You can pay for more merch, more vinyls and more CDs, where if you want a, a helpful hint from a record label owner himself... Um, you do get discounts for the larger volumes of CDs and vinyls that you get, but it means you have to have more space underneath your bed if that doesn't pan out. You can have a music video. You can pay for one to be professionally done. That does the rounds and everything like that. Like Reese mentioned, better gear. Um, you can afford a publicist who can, who's already kind of like schmoozed with radio presenters, and so you're paying for them to basically take a a radio host or a producer out to have, like, fancy Prosecco and some fucking prawn cocktail sandwiches and then, like, say, you're going to play this song or not? So, you don't need money to make music, but unfortunately, sometimes, money does help get you above a certain level. And it sucks, but fuck, it's the reality of the situation, you know? If if there's two businesses that want to make donuts. And one business has got a lot more money than the other. Um, The other business is going to, like, you know, have a lot more kind of clout because they can afford to do that kind of stuff. Would I prefer the donuts from the place that has a lot of money? Well, no, because ultimately, donuts are subjective, like music's subjective, you know? But I could say that a lot more people would gravitate towards something that's had a lot more money in because it's got a lot more kind of collateral and it's it's a lot more kind of dynamic. Which sucks. Punk bands, please don't give up playing in your garages or anything like
1: that, you know. And donut makers fucking don't give up the fight. No,
0: don't man. You you fight for your right for pastries, man. You fight for it.
1: But you're right, man, you cannot buy the ability to write a good song. You can No. You can trick people yeah, but you can trick a lot of people with hype and merch and I think the comedian Bill Burke says I only need two thousand people in each city to like me. So you can fucking have those jaded fucks at the back with their arms crossed, being like, this is bullshit and they've got a rich parent and that's the only reason they're they're here because they could afford stickers and they wanted a huge sticker campaign and that's basically it. But who gives a fuck if there's two thousand people in front of them who bought into it and are buying tickets and buying the hoodie and buying the vinyl? Benji, how like as honestly, as a label If you're dealing with a band, how important would it be just to have an extra $1,000? Like, what would you be able to do with just an extra $1,000?
0: If I had a bit more money behind me, I could look at like a bigger marketing budget, which would be like, oh, hey, we want to run uh, an advert in your magazine, which hopefully uh, would spill into, well, we better give them a bit of editorial if they're putting a whole bunch of money into an advert, which I have firsthand. Done in New Zealand when I used to work uh, as a publicist over there. Um, you could pay for a radio plugger, so I'm not wasting my time emailing people. At, you know, There's more of a chance of things to be played, not just through the merit of the music, but just that kind of personalised, I'm going to go and meet them and stuff like that. Uh, they will open my emails because they always know I provide quality and stuff like that. What's the fucking fun in that, man? You know, it's kind of like, and I, I'm sure this is going to be a, a very divisive comment to make, so please email us, Baccio, Deftrip at gmail.com, or, you know, jump on the Instagram and call me a swine there. But there's no real fucking fun reason, like buying your way to the top. It seems hollow, does it not? I mean,.
1: The offspring just sold their catalog for thirty five million.
0: Yeah, I mean, like that sounds crazy. Let's take a moment to talk about that kind of aspect of the music industry. Where are we that fucked, basically, in the music industry? That people like Neil Young, uh, people like oh, who else was that? David Guetta, who who has got quite a catalog, but not to the extent of say like Shakira and and the other people that have sold. When did that become a thing, man? When when suddenly it's like, oh, I'm just going to sell my back catalog for a lump sum. Are royalties that bad?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. What is it like? Do they get like 0. 0.4 cents every Spotify play or whatever it is?
0: Would you would you like me to bring up uh confidentially the last month's digital rights? You know, no one's going to find out how much people are going to be paid. We're not going to name names, are we? But let's just, uh, for a moment. This is
1: why you tune into to Bacio Death Trip for the donut analogies and to go through bands and financial records. <laughs> but I mean... Now, fuck it. Give the listeners some insight. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, just just ever so... We'll, we'll do this, then we'll go into the advert, okay? Look at that. 28p this year. That is the month of June. That is a month's worth, so, and then that's how much the distributors take, and then that's how much we make back, and so you can see across this financial year, everything, look at that.
1: So you made the equivalent of 28 cents uh, this month? Yes. Well, that explains your fur coat and your gold grill, man, fucking cough up that's
0: why i'm so warm man that's why i'm so warm the 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 fur coat the grill uh, you know i throw pimp goblets away like they're red cups
1: man. yeah it's it's fucking it's grim out there and and the problem is that a lot of bands and the rich band in bendigo don't realize they are rich because look then when you think rich you think Jeffrey Bezos and they did a survey with people who were 50 and they said do you think you're old and they're like "No, I'm not old I'm not 60 so they interviewed 60 year olds and the 60 year olds were like I'm not old I'm not 80 they went to the 80 year olds and the 80 year olds were like I'm not 90 they went to the 90 year olds and you know what they said have I been jabbed yet? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, not in Australia, you haven't No, oh, no. If you want to go, you get to go If you have a go, you get to go Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, grandma In the UK, they're just leaving them to die now Yeah, they, so it's all relative So people are like, I'm not that rich Because I can't afford that It's like, yeah, but you don't realise the opportunities that you have And fucking being able to have stickers Have a hoodie, fucking have merch it, it, it's, it's a big deal And it does impact on a band's success Even just being able to practice in a space With two speakers and a and a little mixing desk because my first band had just we just had to like have the microphone go into the guitar amp which had two inputs you know what I mean so we could never hear the vocals so the singer's never going to be good when he can't hear himself so those little things are important but you wanted an ad man so let's go to the ad last week we did mention Jamie Kennedy and his manager his manager got in touch oh, which is pretty awesome
0: that's awesome i thought he was dead
1: uh, no or i actually don't know and at the time of recording Jamie Kennedy is alive and well and hasn't been canceled yet. (laughs) And well. Anyway, Jamie Kennedy was like, you know, I do music through his uh, manager. And I said, I did not. Jamie Kennedy's manager. And Jamie Kennedy's manager said, well, Jamie Kennedy did do a song on the son of the mask. And I said, you're kidding. I fucking love that movie. It was definitely needed. It wasn't a waste of money or energy i really think the cgi artists and the special effects units really enjoyed working on that movie because ultimately it fucking rules
0: yeah i mean it was absolutely robbed of any oscar nominations it clearly should have been for for everyone's consideration
1: goodwill hunting get fucked son of the mask oh fuck you
0: cool this is going to be exciting we've got that jamie
1: kennedy dollar you loved him as randy meeks in the scream trilogy you adored him as the uncredited extra in Dead Poets Society and just when you thought you couldn't love Jamie Kennedy anymore, you discover his song, Can't Take My Eyes Off Of You, from the hit motion picture, The Son Of The Mask. This song has everything, areas of the song dedicated to dance and boogie, the part dance. The part boogie. permission for ladies to shake their booties. Ladies, shake your booty A supportive, pants-shaking environment shaka, 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 like shake your pants A silly country voice I love you, baby And if it's quite alright, I need you, baby A tribute to Eminem Can't take my eyes off you You feel like having a to touch, I wanna hold you so much and thank the sweet lord above because there is even some beatboxing Imagine scattering rose petals all over your bed laying your partner down staring deep into their eyes as the beautiful vocal stylings of Balzac from 2011 Spring Break 83 Mr. Jamie Kennedy wraps you up in his tender harmonies Baccio Death Trip are proud to be sponsored by Jamie Kennedy covering Frankie Varley in the Son of the Mask. Get a what's hot? Thank you for your top dollar, Jamie Kennedy. I claim, and I'd like to see someone disprove this, in the entirety of the human race, I have danced to that um, I Love You Baby song more than any other human because when I first moved to China, I lived in Tianjin, a city like just outside of Beijing. I went to clubs like most Fridays and Saturdays and they would play that song just ad nauseum. It was just that. And that Maya, he, Maya, who song, man, so much Cheval's regal. Yeah. And then fucking that Is song. that
0: really, because I, I refuse to watch the son of the mask and that's saying something. Cause I watched a whole shitload of Adam Sandler movies, you know, was, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah, was yeah. that audio legitimately from son of the mask?
1: Legitimately. Yes
0: oh my right i have to watch that movie now so all no my... you don't you <laughs> don't all... no no no. i do man i do for, for some kind of context i have to i have to check it out well
1: speaking of context man it's fucking weird that like you'd imagine jamie kennedy is a smart educated man and he knew son of the mask was a piece of shit just like the offspring i reckon they knew americana was a piece of shit so when the the people fucking started coming out with them with 35 <laughs> mil. Like, y'all will say your fucking songs. I don't give a shit. Dexter, like we said, super, super smart. Yeah. All the band, the original drummer, James, uh, gynecologist now. Like fucking very, very, very bright people. I've got a game for you, Benji. Would you like to play it with me?
0: Let's play the game.
1: All right, man. So this is basically match the musician to the degree. Okay. I'm going to give you uh, three options here. Are
0: these music? you said musicians, not magicians, right?
1: I only know three magicians, and all of them are David Copperfield. And one of them is a mind freak. So, yeah, it it, it is definitely musicians. Are are you ready? I am.
0: Hit that clock.
1: Who has a bachelor's degree in business? Is it Duff McKagan McKagan, from Guns N' Roses? Phil Lewis from LA Guns, or Anne Wilson from Heart?
0: Is it Anne Wilson from Heart?
1: No, it is not. It's Duff from Velvet Revolver and Guns N' Roses. Who has a PhD in astrophysics? Is it Andrew Ridgely from Wham, Brian May from Queen, or Lou Graham from Foreigner?
0: Is it Brian May?
1: It is, man. Well done, Yeah, you, 50%. yeah, man. I
0: don't know why. I think, uh, actually... He did some stuff with Brian Cox on the BBC, so I think that's how I did it.
1: Who has a bachelor's degree in English? Is it Mark Chavez from Edema, Gwen Stefani from No Doubt, or Rivers Cuomo from Weezer? Is it Rivers? Oh, nice man, you are. Nice, yes, you are yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, man, well done. Yeah. Who has a degree in political science? Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine, Amy Lee from Evanescence. Or Jim Adkins from Jimmy Eat World.
0: It's got to be Tom Morello, isn't it? Yeah,
1: man, that's an obvious one. Well done. Uh, Did
0: you? Yeah, I remember that because he had like a Twitter kind of spat with some random person that was saying, oh, well, maybe like musicians should stay out of politics. And Tom Morello was like, well, I actually have uh, a political studies degree. It's hilarious. I still don't know if it's serious. or these people that have come out and said, I didn't realise Rage Against the Machine were political. Are you fucking kidding me? Well,
1: yeah, they just thought, like, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me was, you know, just, like, for your mum who said, can you please wash the dishes?
0: Yeah, I'm kind of more worried that they think that burning crosses is normal
1: as well. Who has a PhD in zoology? Is it Greg Graffin from Bad Religion, Mike Herrera from MXPX, or Danita Sparks from L7? Zoology. Hmm. That means they really love the movie Zootopia. Uh,
0: I thought it was those people that really like Zoolander, so I'm going to have to rethink this one.
1: Um, Zoolander was my high school major pain, by the way. I fucking hated major pain in primary school. Everyone loved it. I fucking hated Zoolander in high school. That's
0: interesting, man, because you strike me as the kind of guy that perhaps wouldn't have liked Anchorman either.
1: Yeah, Anchorman sucks.
0: So anything that was popular, you didn't like?
1: No, no, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm really not that no, kind of guy. But what is it? It's kind there? of coming
0: across that way. It's
1: kind of coming across that way. Except for that scene in Anchorman where um, the two news crews get together and fight. That's really funny. But other than that, like, what is it?
0: Maybe we should do a podcast sometime about what we really hated about that era. Because it's starting to feel like there was an era in time that was just kind of... A, a cultural wasteland of fart jokes and stuff. Like I think that. we're seeing
1: it now that Will Farrell isn't as funny as people thought. And he's had a bunch of fucking stinkers. That's Sherlock and Holmes oh. or whatever it's called. He has had a bunch of stinkers. And I reckon I'm ahead of the curve that Will Farrell isn't great. His funny or die clips are pretty good. Some yep. SNL clips are okay. But overall, not great. Step Brothers was good. I think in, in 10 years, no one will be talking about Will Farrell.
0: No one's really talking about him now anyway, are they? I mean, when you're going straight to Netflix, it's either this is really good or this is straight to DVD. Denita Sparks, because it's the only name I can remember, Reese.
1: Greg Graffin from Bad Religion.
0: Oh, for real. They're quite an intelligent band, weren't they?
1: Yeah, I, I guess so. Last yeah. one Who has a master's in mathematics? Is it Matt Holt from Nothing Face? Angela Gosso from Arch Enemy or Art Garfunkel from Simon and Garfunkel.
0: Wow. That's Angela
1: Gossett. No, it's Art Garfunkel.
0: Well that, that seemed obvious. I didn't do well on that game, did I?
1: Um you started poorly but then you you came home strong.
0: I started poorly and then I did all right and then I I failed miserably. So
1: just like the offspring. Yeah.
0: And Will Ferrell, apparently, uh, says Reese the f- Trend Forecaster. <laughs> um, look, just we, we've got a couple of minutes left to go. Just sum up for me, why are you not into this album, Reese? Uh, like, if you're going to go punk, do you have to have one sound? Was the sound all over the place with Americana rather than, say the early offspring works, which just seemed consistent and their kind of style.
1: When you say like, Oh, an album's punk, you know, punk is an, an, it's an attitude, isn't it? It's a vibe. It's a feeling, you know, to quote the castle. So if you're going to go punk, people go, Oh, it's okay to have just one sound, one beat, all that sort of stuff. And I get that, but make the songs a bit shorter, make them sharp and, and have some aggression, have something to say, put your personality into it. Now, if your personality is just like, Hey, how funny is that people poop? Man, call it shit. You're a fucking adult and you're a multi-millionaire by now. So, have some drama in there. But this is so clean and so organized that it lacks any oomph. Okay, so, so it's not really punk in that regard. Yeah? Yeah. It's very safe punk if it's punk. So, if you're going to go pop and go big bangers, fucking go for it. Do it without shame, without guilt. Double the vocal tracks. Boost the guitar and the chorus. Get some... Fucking better snare sound in there. This is kind of the worst of punk and it's the worst of gratuitous, obvious pop. It is all the same with no real aggression and nothing really to say and a poor mix and nothing really changes and it's fucking weak and I will gladly never ever listen to this album again.
0: Is this the worst album that we've spoken about so far on Baggio Death Trip?
1: Uh, well, I think for me, it's up there with Disturbed. I think Disturbed was so inoffensive that they were offensive. I think they had nothing really to say. The only saving grace on this one is the singles. There's a few moments, but other than that, it, yeah, it, it's, it's the one that's made me the angriest. And look, spoiler alert, we're doing St. Anger in a few weeks. I've been listening to St. Anger in preparation for that. This is worse than St. Anger.
0: That is a very, very, very big call. Uh, but before we move into St. Anger, we have to get off the beaten track a little bit. So the next episode of Bacho Death Trip, we'll be talking about Candy Ass by Orgy. A band that, as far as I'm concerned, sometimes fly under the radar in terms of all the music that was going on around the time. But yet yeah, a band that featured quite often as a guest uh, on other people's tracks, be it Jay Gordon producing or be it remixes and everything like that. It's going to be an interesting one because for a while I was not a big fan of Orgy and I got f- into Orgy through Filter which might be something we talk about in the future again as well. Who's to say? Um,
1: but but yeah. before before we go, man, I'd be remiss not to ask you. I feel like my distaste for this album, I kind of feel like similar to Metallica. Yeah. This band, if you didn't get into them young, you're not going to get into them. Similar to Star Wars. And because I didn't get into Smash or X-Nay on the Ombre or those albums, I wasn't ready for Amer- Americana. So Americana was my first taste of this band. And going back to it now, it sucks. It It's so bad. But I, I did go by the CD single of Why Don't You Get a Job because that's a pretty fun song, you know? It was yeah. great when Simon and Garfunkel wrote it with Cecilia and it was it's great in on this album. But I think I've done it a disservice because I've talked over you. So what do you think about this album? Uh,
0: well, I mean... <sighs> i i was always a big fan of smash and xne on the ombre and i've had some some rather fun moments with americana uh i say a good two to three years after it first got released i got caught up in the hype of pretty fly for a white guy because it was fun and it was exciting to see um bands like the offspring much like it, towards you know the later end of uh oh let me try it again it was cool to see them charting uh having a single chart in the top 10 because it, it was like my music that i was enjoying that i got reviled for is now making a bit of a stand in terms of uh the social consciousness in terms of popular culture it was starting to become more and more accepted so from a anthropological standpoint it was i I liked americana because it ushered in the kind of you know what it's all right to listen to punk again you're not gonna get spat on in the middle of the street called a goth or anything like that in retrospect though uh now i've listened now i got older and i've listened to a couple more you know punk records from way back when you know like Sex pistols the clash ramones you know uh Descendants, which is something I wanted to to touch upon because the Descendants did that whole kind of very intelligent punk music and didn't really have to resort to like frat boy jokes and stuff like that. Um, It's not good, but that's kind of hard to reconcile as well because the further the offspring got in terms of their discography... It just felt like it was getting worse and worse and worse. Uh,
1: well, I'm the opposite. I listened to all the albums. They got better. Really? For me. I,
0: I mean, I did not like Splinter. I did not like Conspiracy of One. I think no.
1: Conspiracy of One was a real low point. You could see they were like imp- affected by Americana, and they're like, we need another pretty fly for a white guy. Uh, original prankster.
0: Yeah, uh, which was. The Nadia, almost, of uh, The Offspring.
1: And that album cover is almost as bad as the Chamber Music by Cold Chamber cover. Oh,
0: God, man. Have you seen people? I knew people that had the Conspiracy of One tattoo.
1: I didn't know you hung out with fucking legends.
0: Oh, man. That's I, I moved away from New Zealand because there were just too many legends. It was either <laughs> Conspiracy of One tattoos or the fucking Spiral of Life Diagram by Fibonacci. Just all over the place. Like, instead of a spider web on the elbow, it was basically the spiral of life uh, taken from Wikipedia, uh, Creative Commons, all rights reserved.
1: That's bitch.
0: Americana hasn't aged well for me. I will go back to it uh, and, and listen to, like, The Kids Are All Right. Uh, staring at the Sun was quite fun, but Staring at the Sun still reminded me of x and the Ombre and Smash Era Offspring. So. So yeah, it's, I, I have fond memories of Americana. Like I have fond memories of making jokes that now are inappropriate. And it's like, I've gotten older, wiser, and realized that it's not cool. And I feel the same way about Americana. Now I've gotten older and wiser. Well, wise-ish.
1: And I would like to say, look, if you're into this album, fucking cool. Like there's nothing worse than someone shitting on an album that you love or so. Sitting on something that you love and it's yeah like, like like taproot you can love taproot you know that get out of my dreams and into my car fucking banger you know oh, can't stop God, listening I to I it
0: Forgot about that jesus to my head again now you, oh, you
1: oh. It's, a, it's an incredible song and i don't want to take away that joy from people but i gotta be honest this album is the fucking worst, guys. And if you listen to it, you're a fucking idiot. No, I, you know, <laughs> no, if you listen to it, it love it.
0: it like that. Oh my god! <laughs> no, no, no. But look, in all seriousness, um, we're just two fuckheads that have an opinion on music. That's your biggest takeaway here should be the stupid shit that we've been involved in, and and to have a conversation about what we've spoken about. So, if you like Offspring. Email us, death trip at gmail.com. You're wrong, but email us anyway.
1: And as we say at the end of every podcast, support Jamie Kennedy.